You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. What an incredible week it has been. I have just had so much fun with you guys and wanted to say thank you again. Um, I was talking to Sean that a lot of you wrote me a, a little note of encouragement that I got in the mail several weeks leading up to this uh, time together in this week, and I just want to thank all of you I read all of them, I looked at them, I, I'm keeping them. I just want to say thank you for that. So if you took the time to do that and you're part of that, thank you. Thank you to Sean, the student life team and department, and President Balfi. Just what an incredible time this has been. And, and thanks for tracking with this story of Joseph. I just have sensed that this was the story that we needed to look at this week. And uh, this story is just full of twists and turns. You know, um, there's so many things that, that happen in this story, and it's, I think if there's anything to remember, it's just be ready for those unexpected moments. You just never know what, what might happen out there. And um, before I forget, we do, I've talked with a lot of you, and there's so many of you I would love to take on the road with us next summer. I'm just going to put a little plug in here before I forget that we do this thing I've talked about a little bit called NTS Camp. If you're interested in being an a intern with us and getting paid for the summer, to go out and travel and be with students and have fun and, and work hard, but go to all these camps with us. Look it up. Maybe join us. It'd be great to have you there with us. Uh, but, you know, like this story, I was just thinking um, of, of what happened to me not long ago. I just stepped into the role as lead pastor, so I, you know, stand up in front of my church every week like this. And so I was brand new. It was kind of my second week after the fall kicked in. So it just would have been like this last, actually it would be this Sunday coming up, a year ago. I'm standing up and I'm like two minutes into my message and this fan shape kind of like this auditorium and some lady who's over there comes down to the very front row and my wife is sitting kind of right here, almost directly in front of me, and she whispers in my wife's ear something and they look at me and my wife looked horrified, and then the lady went back to her seat. My wife leans over to our producer who sits right directly in front of me with the headset and all that, and there's cameras, and she whispers to him, and they look at me, and they're kind of horrified. And I'm two minutes in. This is like a speaker's worst nightmare. I don't know what's going on. What did I do? Did I say something wrong? I don't know. And then my wife gets up and walks out. Now, that's not good, okay? Like, what is going on? And so I'm still trying to keep, keep my train of thought here. I'm still going. And then this never happens at our church, but the producer, who's always supposed to be right there in case anything happens, he gets up and leaves. So now I'm like, all right, what's going on? And I thought it had something to do with how I looked and my appearance. Now, I had one guess. I don't know if you know what that guess might be. I thought my zipper was down. But there's no way to check when you're in front of a crowd like this. You know what I mean? You can't just go, hey, by the way, you know. So I'm kind of like, well, I did this thing with, with different flags. So I pulled out flags of all different kinds that I was talking about. And I, the first flag I pulled out was the Detroit Lions. Now, is anybody here a Detroit Lions fan? Oof. Sorry. feel sorry for you. They had a perfect record until the season started, that's all I'm going to say. So I pulled out the first flag, and that was my time to check, you know. 
So I pulled out the flag I kind of held here. I looked down. I was like, no, I'm good. So that was fine. So then I'm still just puzzled by what's going on. So I keep going. And I get towards the end of the message. And I'm like, what is going on? My wife left. The producer left. I don't know what's happening. And all of a sudden, I get towards the end. And I just kind of do this. I don't know if I like pulled on the side of my pants room, and then I realized what was going on. I realized that the back of my pants, there was a rip this long, right down the middle. So there I was, so this lady who was on the side could see it from the side. I spent my second Sunday gaping open in the back. It's a good thing I didn't wear the leopard print that day, that's all I'm saying. You know, it's one of those things where, like, life can throw you these twists and turns. My wife left, by the way, to get me a pair of pants, just in case you weren't. She didn't leave me. We're still good there. But, you know, like, things happen, and it could be embarrassing. It could be weird. It could be something unexpected. But when it happens, just thinking about Joseph's life, you just got to go with it. It reminds me of this old Chinese proverb, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in this that, that I, I think you should remember this proverb. It's called, the, the proverb in English is called, Sai Wang Lost His Horse. And this this ancient Chinese proverb about this man named Sai Wang, and one day he was out on his farm and his horse ran away. And his neighbors came to console him and said, we're really sorry that your horse ran away. And he says, how do I know that it's a bad thing that my horse ran away? Well, he goes out the next day to find his horse, and he finds it, and not only does he find that horse, but there's another, another horse with it that's just as strong and useful, so he brings both horses back to his farm, and his neighbors come to congratulate him, and they say, congratulations on getting this new horse, and he says, how do I know that it's a good thing that now I have an extra horse? And then not too long after that, his son is riding this horse, and this new horse, and this horse hasn't been broken yet, and it bucks his son off, and he breaks his leg, and his neighbors come to console him, and they say, Sai Wing, we're sorry that this bad, unfortunate thing has happened to your son. And he says, how do I know that it's not a good thing that my son broke his leg? And then not long after that, there's a war in their country, and so people come to collect all the able-bodied men to fight in the army, and it would almost certainly mean death for anyone that's enlisted in the army. And his son is exempt because of his leg injury. And so the point of the story is, you don't judge the circumstance by what happens in the moment, but wisdom has a much, much bigger picture. And so at this stage of your life, you're going to have ups and downs and good and bad, things that you might think are just terrible that might end up actually being great. And as we kind of conclude the story of Joseph, there's a couple more really powerful things here that, that you need to hear that I believe will help you unlock the dreams that God has for you. One in particular that's so, so important here that we're going to see at the beginning of the story. So Genesis 45, at this point, if you've been tracking with the story, Joseph was the favored son. He was thrown in the pit by his brothers and betrayed and sold into slavery and taken to Potiphar's house as a slave. And then he was framed for something he didn't do and then put into prison. And then in one day, after several years of being in prison and being faithful throughout that entire time of his life, all of a sudden in one day he's taken from prison to the palace and elevated to second in command in Egypt because of God's favor upon him. 
and because of Joseph's faithfulness to continue to do the right thing day after day. So all that happened. Joseph is now an older man, and through a series of events, he reunites with his brothers. They travel to Egypt in need of food. His father is still alive. They live a long distance off. And so they come, and they don't recognize who Joseph is. He's changed. He probably looked very Egyptian, very different than how he grew up as a Hebrew. So here he is, and they don't recognize who he is yet. And there's a little back and forth going on, but in chapter 45, Joseph finally decides to reveal himself to the very brothers that betrayed him and sold him into slavery. So chapter 45 Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Wow, let's just stop there just for a second and recognize the fact that this was probably Joseph's, maybe his greatest challenge of everything that he had been through, of everything that Joseph had experienced. His greatest challenge was his opportunity to forgive his brothers. Joseph forgave them. And we cannot overlook the power of this moment that Joseph chose to forgive the very ones that sold him into slavery. And man, what a powerful, what a powerful message that is. That Joseph could have easily said, okay, all right, you suckers, you sold me into slavery, you hated me, and now it's my time to get back. But Joseph here, was very measured in how he interacted with his brothers at first, but finally he could no longer control himself. I mean, do you realize how easy it would have been for Joseph to punish his brothers? You realize how easy it would have been for him to just hold in all that anger and bitterness and guilt? But I would imagine that even before he knew his brothers were still alive, or he, even he might ever have the thought of reuniting with them that he knew that he had forgiven them already we don't know that necessarily but that's just my educated guess is that joseph forgave them before he even knew he might ever see them again and if there's one thing that i would say to you that could derail the dreams that god has for your life is and that's a heart of unforgiveness if you're not willing to forgive those that have hurt you. And I mentioned to you earlier this week that how you deal with pain will determine your destiny. And some of you here are filled with the pain of unforgiveness. 
And let me just say this to you, that if it's a family member or a friend or someone that betrayed you, if you hold on to that poison in your life, it will do nothing to punish them. It will only hurt yourself. It's, it's, it's an old cliche, but it's so true that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to affect the other person. You know, in all the, the work that we do around the country with NTS Camp, we have so many powerful stories. Last year, we had a group of students from a church that we're close with, and they're from Kansas City, and they came to one of our camps, and several of their students didn't even speak English. They only spoke Spanish, but they were there, and it's amazing how God worked. And one night, we had a powerful time of worship and prayer, similar to what we had last night. And the leader, Luis Arujo, who's a great friend of mine, came over to me and said, even though this young lady doesn't understand English, would you pray for her and ask me and my wife, Ariana, to pray for this young lady? And we prayed for her, and we didn't really even know what to pray. We didn't know the situation, but we prayed, and she fell into a heap on the ground and wept, and it was just this powerful moment. If you've ever been in those situations, maybe where there's a language barrier, but the Holy Spirit just does something to connect you. It was one of those moments. It was just supernatural. And I knew that God was doing something incredible in this young lady's life. And as she got up later and processed what God was doing, God was laying upon her heart to forgive her father. Here's what we realized. Is that at her home, she lived with her mom and dad and her siblings. She was 16 years old. And her dad had invited his brother, which would be this young lady's uncle, into their home because he needed a place to live. And as he was living there, he began to, he began to um, try to abuse her in a sexual way. And she had to deal with this, her own uncle trying to take advantage of her in her own home, which was supposed to be a place of safety. And so she went to her mother and said, hey, this is what's happening so her mother talked to the husband, the dad, and the dad came to the daughter and said, don't you talk about my brother that way. He failed to protect her in that moment. And so now she is living with a predator in her own home and with a father who won't protect her. And so as you might imagine, the pain and the fear that came into her heart towards her father and being in her home and she came to this camp experience with us at NTS and she knew that God wanted to release her from that unforgiveness and what I would say beyond her natural ability in a supernatural way she was able to forgive her father at such a young age which to me is so bold and so courageous and so incredible to think about, such an inspiration. When I heard that, I was just overwhelmed thinking of the fact that she could forgive her father. She came back from never the same camp, a different person. In fact, so much so, her heart was so different towards her father and towards her parents and towards her family that it was noticeable from the moment that she arrived back home and her father sat down with her and said, will you forgive me? will you forgive me for doing this to you? And he kicked his brother out and he began to protect their family 
and their family experienced a spiritual awakening because of the courage of a young lady that was willing to forgive. My friends, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, allow God to free you from that prison. Joseph is such a powerful example of forgiveness. And I would say of all the things we've talked about this week, all the dreams that God has for you, if you hold on to unforgiveness, you will lose. You'll become isolated, lonely, bitter, jaded. And you say, well, how do I forgive somebody? Maybe you, like Joseph, you may not even be able to get access. Maybe it's someone who's not even with us anymore. Well, I always ask myself three questions to know I've forgiven somebody. Can I hope the best for them? Can I hope the best? Can I pray for them with sincerity? Can I pray God's best for them? And when I think of them, do I think of them more as themselves than what they've done to me to hurt me? Those three questions, can I hope the best for them? Can I pray for them with sincerity? And when I think of them, will I think of them more for themselves or what they've done to me? And let me just encourage you right now. In fact, I just want to stop for a minute, and I want to just pray at this point. I think this is so important. Bow your heads with me just for a second, and I'm not going to ask you to respond publicly, but if there's a, a person or persons that you've been thinking about as we've been talking about forgiveness, and they're coming to mind right now, and you know exactly who it is, I'm just going to stop and give you a moment to to be able to surrender that to God. It could be something that could change the course of your life if you could just release this pain to God. Let me give you a moment here and then I want to pray for you. Father, I sense that you're speaking to, to someone here about forgiveness. The hurt is deep. The pain is real. We don't pretend that it's not. But Father, your word says so much to us about forgiveness and how important and critical it is. In fact, you have some of your strongest words about your forgiveness for us when we fail to forgive others. And so I pray for my friends right now, God, they would experience the freedom of forgiveness in Jesus' name. As the story goes on, there, there's something... Um, pretty cool that happens here with Joseph because it says in verse 80 he's having this conversation it says so then it was not you who sent me here listen he's talking to his brothers that sold him into slavery it's not you who sent me here but it's God he made me father to Pharaoh lord of the entire household and ruler of all Egypt now hurry back to my father and tell him this is what Joseph said God has made me lord of all Egypt Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Wow. So right there, Joseph recognizes before them that God was in control the whole time. That he says to them, listen, this wasn't you. I don't know if you heard that there. 
It wasn't you that sent me here. This wasn't your plan. You did what you did and it was wrong, but this wasn't about what you're doing. This is about what God's doing. And when you know that God's in control, when you know that you can't lose, when you know that every step you take is ordered by God as you follow Him, you recognize the sovereignty, the control, when you recognize the care and the shield and the love that God is for you, you realize there is a power in that. Here Joseph is freed from saying, I'm free from my past, I'm free from what you did to me, and I recognize that even in the wrong, even in the injustice, I'm not dwelling on that, I'm recognizing God's bigger picture here. And that's what Joseph is acknowledging here before his brothers, that this was God all along. It's hard to understand sometimes all the things that happen to us. It's hard to understand the things that that we can't filter through our mind. And you may still have those lingering questions of why, but just trust me, my friends, in saying and standing on the truth of God's word that God is leading your life. There's some of you here that you've, you've maybe got caught up in the present circumstances and maybe you need to step back like that Chinese proverb helps us understand and look at the bigger picture even when you're right in the middle of it. Because God cares for you. He'll do things that you can't imagine. You know, being the pastor of a church at daybreak in in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you know, one of the the first Sundays I was there after the, the split pants incident, A few weeks later, we had this crazy storm, and we found all these leaks in our roof. Our roof was 30 years old at that time, and and a roof is very expensive. It's not the thing you sign up for when you want to be a pastor. You just want to stand up and preach the word, but you got to deal with the roof. So we had to deal with the roof. And we've been having these secret prayer meetings. That sounds weird, but I'd been calling these prayer meetings, and we never announced it in front of the church. We just kind of spread it through word of mouth. If you want to gather and pray, and so we gathered once a month, and there's this group praying. And one, one time that we prayed early on, someone said, I really just feel led to pray for our building. So we prayed for our building, and it was the very next Sunday that we had this huge, crazy storm. And so we prayed, and we never told anyone outside of this room what we were praying about. We just prayed, God, we know we have issues with our building, and we just pray that you'd provide. And the very next week, after that, someone dropped $100,000 in our offering. That's the biggest one-time gift on a Sunday morning that's ever been given in the history of that church. And they said, use this for whatever you need. They weren't at these prayer meetings. They had no idea what was going on. And I stand before you today and say, only God in his timing can do something like that. When you trust God and you know that he's in control, whatever need you might have, now that's a big need. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars of need, but some of you have a need right now today. And if it's a need, not a wish or a want, but if it's a need, God will provide that need for you. Now, can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes to know that from 17 years old, he had this dream and he went through this crazy story. And now here he is. And Joseph explains to them This was God's plan all along. And sure enough, that dream was fulfilled. That Joseph saw the dream fulfilled. I can't imagine, I believe that some of the emotion that we read about 
where he sent all his attendants away and he wept, was maybe that was the moment of clarity, a moment of realization, like a serendipitous moment where all of a sudden it all came together and he realized the dream, the dream, the dream. God fulfilled his dream. For some of you, you'll have a moment. And as you're faithful, God will show you the dream. He'll reveal the dream. You know, a long time ago, many years ago, I gathered some students. Actually, the first time we did it was 2003, 19 years ago, to pray at their school. And we gathered together, and then we did that once a year. We did it in 2003 and 2004, right before school started. We gathered together at our church, and then every high school student went to their high school, and they did a prayer walk all the way around their school, and they said, God, we claim responsibility to pray and to be Jesus at our school. We called it Claim Your Campus. 2005, the students that were doing this once a year came to me and said, can we do this more often? And so we set up weekly prayer groups that started meeting in 2005. And in the largest public high school at that time, and it still may be in the state of Michigan, was East Kentwood High School. At that time, there were 48 countries of origin represented in the student body. This last year's graduating class was 60. It's a melting pot of students from all over the world. It's a beautiful school. And that was where the majority of our youth group came from. And a group of, of seven students gathered every Tuesday morning and they would pray. And as they started praying, one day I went to them and I said, hey, what if you prayed for something very specific that could, you knew that God would answer? Because up to that time, these students would show up and at seven in the morning we met in the lobby and they'd pray things like this. Lord, we thank you for this day. Help us today. Bless the school. Um, we thank you for, you know, the school that we're able to be in, and we pray that you just pour out your blessing on this school. And those are all nice things, but they're very generic. And I just want to encourage you, when you pray, be as specific as you can. We, we pray a lot of things that really are so bland and vanilla, and they don't really say anything. So when we say, God bless us today, what does that mean? I often think of a parent, if, a, if one of my girls came up to me and said, hey, could you help me out today? And that's all they said, and that's all I got. I don't know what to do with that as a parent. And I know God knows it all, but there's a link in prayer where we partner with God together. And I believe that we need to be specific. And so I challenged these students, and they said, well, there's a fight almost every day at our school. And that's one thing that we could pray about. So they chose to pray about this. And they met every Tuesday morning and prayed. And after a couple months went by, we had no posters at the school, no t-shirts, no announcements. It was just a small little group of students in a very, very large high school of several thousand, seven students praying every Tuesday morning. And at the, the next quarterly school board, they released their quarterly report, and they said this. They said, for the first time in the history of East Kentwood High School, fighting has come to a stop. And we don't understand it. We've not done a convocation. We've not done any program. We haven't promoted anything about anti-violence. And we don't get it, but for some reason, out of the blue, fighting has stopped. And at that moment, a dream was birthed 
in my heart to see prayer in every school in America. I want you to imagine there are roughly 67,000 middle and high schools in the United States, public, private, and charter. And I began to lay awake at night thinking about what would happen if there were student-led prayer groups like what I saw that would change schools in every school in America. And it became a dream. If there are 15 students, just 15, meeting once a week to pray in every school, there'd be just a little over a million students praying. And I began to see this dream unfold. We've seen tens of thousands of students praying. And we were able to capture a story. And I think some of you may recognize this school. I want you to see with your own eyes what God is doing as students pray. Let's watch. Well, before CYC, prayer was just was like, okay, well... I know I have to do this. It's one of, it's like read the Bible, pray, and go to church. <laughs> and I would try to pray. It was kind of like the, all right, dear God, thank you for this, 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 and this. Um, I need help with these things. And amen. You can only learn how to pray from practice and just continually doing it. On the app, it gives you a couple things to fill out that ask you, like, what are some problems that you immediately want to begin praying for in your school? We text academics violence, and more bold Christ followers. Marion High School has kind of had like a bad reputation for being um, a, like a dangerous or violent school just because we're known for like having lots of fights. My first two years here, I swear, I saw like, I saw all kinds of fights all the time. And it just kind of was like a regular part of like the school. When I got here, we were averaging probably a, a fight every few days. Um, and and it was uh, that was one thing I can tell you that I was not used to. Even come from Indianapolis, and we didn't have that many fights there. Uh, so kids kids were thinking that fighting was okay. You know, one thing about Marion is the area of Marion and Marion High School students. We're about 70% free and reduced lunch. Extremely high poverty. One of the highest poverty schools in the state of Indiana. They had been um, an F school for many many years. Um, the gentleman who's the principal, Lyndon Brown. He did a great job of really turning that academic focus around, and when I got here, they had, they had got up to a C. Well, you know, like in theory, that God moves through prayer and stuff like that, but it's not really like that you sit back and are like, oh yeah, when we start this, he's gonna do this. Like even as we were praying for like the fighting thing, it, like we just kind of didn't really notice like any change at first. We started praying, and the next week, more, more people were coming. But then it was like, after months had passed, that we just kind of looked, sat and looked back and like, wait a second, I haven't seen a fight happen and I can't even remember when. Like a big thing just happened and, and it came from our prayer. Then Amante was like, yeah, like the principal just told me that all the teachers are saying that all of our grades have been going up and that um, on our ISTEP state testing scores, our class got us up to an A school. Our data now, we've had two fights this school year. We as administration like to think that it's because we have all the answers, but that's not the case. We last year had 26 out of 27 of our students pass the AP calculus test. That's one of the top five scores in the country. Our AP test scores are higher than the national average, higher than the state average. Our last year's senior class earned over 4,000 credits in college. 
Um, so that's saving their parents a lot of money too. And in a place where we're, we're economically depressed right now, we want to give parents every opportunity to save every penny they can. And it's, it's not an accident. I mean, God works miracles in places. I'm passionate about CYC just because uh, of the, the mission and like how the mission gets, you know, executed. So I believe strongly that prayer equals change. When we are praying for the school, it's like it's not, it's not me praying for the six other people who are in my CYC group. It's me praying for everybody who walks through these hallways. If I was to talk to another school and tell them the impact the CYC prayer group has had on our school, um, I would tell them it's been nothing short of extraordinary. Students caring for each other, students praying for each other, and students doing everything they can to show Christ's love to each other. Um, again, what school would not want that? in their district, whether it's public or private, makes no difference. Student-led prayer is okay, because it's a great opportunity for students to lead in a positive way. Isn't that amazing? God gave me a dream. And God has spoken to me and said that dream of one million students will become a reality. God has a dream for you. He has something big. And as you follow him, as you chase after him, that dream will chase you down. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. And I can't wait, whether it's here or in eternity, to hear about it. I'd love to pray for you. It's been a privilege to be with you this week. Father, I pray for my friends. I thank you for your dream for each student, each faculty member, all of us, Lord, because you love us individually and unconditionally. And I just want to pray that these students would have the courage and boldness to eliminate any obstacle that they can and overcome and surrender and trust and forgive, Lord, whatever it takes for them to be in a position to hear the clarity of the dream that you have for them. Lord, we thank you for how your word has inspired us this week. And again, thanks for what you've just started here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.